from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, which we will consider today, is a continuation from Matthew chapter 5 that we read in our gospel lesson. We continue with verses 11 through 13 as follows in Jesus' name. Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. In fact, that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its flavor, how will it become salty again? Then it is no good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. These are the words. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed, as we've noted today, we're celebrating the festival of all saints as we here in the church on earth remember and thank God for that church which is now with him directly in heaven. There's an essential connection between the two. Those whom Jesus calls the salt of the earth were made that way by him, and so they were made ready to join the eternal celebration going on in the presence of our Lord in paradise. And so today, we see that those who are the salt of the earth become the saints in heaven. Now, our text today is found in the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. Think of the men and women and the children who gathered around Jesus in the wilderness that day. They were not the wealthy or the powerful in Israel. They were not a lot different from the 12 disciples, unassuming, ordinary, working people. The important ones including the influential Pharisees and the wealthy Sadducees back in Jerusalem, would not have bothered to come out into the hill country to hear Jesus' message. These original listeners were the sort who we refer to sometimes as being the salt of the earth. In fact, that's the very thing that Jesus calls those who put their trust in him. He said, you are the salt of the earth. We know that salt is a common item in most of our lives. Most of us use at least a little bit of salt every day. Salt tends to be rather inexpensive, and it's found on dining tables at homes and in restaurants all over. So it's quite easy for us to overlook salt and take it for granted. What are the characteristics of salt? For one thing, it's considered to be a pure substance, meaning that salt doesn't require any additive to make it exactly what it is. You don't have to combine anything else with salt to make it salt. In the days before refrigeration, salt was an extremely important item for its use as a food preservative. Meat would be stored and kept buried in containers of salt. 
that was especially useful when transporting food over long distances. Centuries ago, large cities sprang up around salt mines. It was valued so highly that sometimes salt was actually used as currency, sometimes was considered to be as valuable as gold or silver. Nowadays, we use salt mostly in order to make our food taste a little better. It's an important ingredient found in many prepared foods and is often used in such abundance that our doctors advise us to take it easy, to use salt sparingly. Because a little bit goes a long way, it works quietly and persistently. All of those who are now at our Lord's side in the peace and bliss of heaven were salt while they lived here on earth. As Christian believers, we and those who are in heaven are like salt, in that, as Jesus said in his sermon, we are pure. Now, certainly that purity we speak of is not our own. It's not part of our natural condition. We didn't strive for this purity and achieve it for ourselves. We needed to be made pure by someone outside of ourselves. We needed to be forgiven of all of the sins which have permeated and stained our lives. But we now, like our brothers and sisters in God's city above, are declared pure by God himself. Left to ourselves, each of us would be impure and adulterated and unclean because of the sins in our lives. That is why when God called Isaiah to be a prophet, to preach his word, Isaiah lamented, Woe to me, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Isaiah was right to be distressed. He was unclean. He knew himself to be unfit to be in the presence of God and to speak God's word. So that would be our condition. We, along with the church, which is already up in heaven, would be, in fact, forever separated from God's presence and from his kingdom because of the impurity in our minds, the impurity in our language sometimes, the impurity in our activities. So how did this happen? That those who were sinful and unclean here on earth became the saints up in heaven. Before this, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted their poverty and their sorrow because of their sins means that they repented of them and they turned away from them during their days here on earth. Now they who were persecuted, as we too experience as believers, they who were as overlooked and ignored and as common as salt are now blessed and glorified and gifted and honored forevermore in heaven, whereas the scripture says they shine like the stars forever and ever. 
Those who are the salt of the earth become the saints. For the gospel tells us that God deals kindly with us by his grace, moved solely by his compassion and his mercy for us on account of Jesus Christ. God forgives us every sin we've committed. And so in his description of the temple, Isaiah describes what happened after his initial fear. He said, then one of the seraphs, one of the angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. So also then when we hear in church the absolution spoken in our worship service, we can and should believe that it's God himself present with us and speaking to us. And when we receive in Holy Communion the bread and the wine, knowing and trusting that it is in, with, and under also his body and blood, then we too receive as a very powerful, personal, intimate gifting the forgiveness of our sins and the assurance that we are saved. This is the cleansing and the purifying that God bestows upon us each time we are brought this forgiveness which is ours through Jesus, who for us was counted as sin itself and who bore the full punishment for all of us on the cross. That is how we, called the salt of the earth, get to be one day the saints in heaven by repenting every day of our sins against God and by believing in his forgiveness. The salt become the saints. On this All Saints Sunday, we're remembering our loved ones mostly members here of Mount Olive who have passed away in the past year and gone to heaven. We know that those people we're remembering today weren't perfect. Like everyone else, they had their own faults and foibles and weaknesses. But we loved them and we missed them because of what they meant to us, because of the positive influence and impact they made on our lives. That's why the word salt is appropriate to describe Christians here on earth. Just as salt preserves food and makes it tastier and more enjoyable, so also being shaped by the message of the love of God for us in Jesus Christ, we seek to love others and thereby to counteract all the conflict, fighting, all the rot, all the decay, taking place in this sin-spoiled world. If you've ever gotten a little salt on a fresh cut on your skin, then you know it makes it sting, doesn't it? A little salt can remind us very clearly of our wound. So as the salt of the world, believers in Christ also living by and sharing with others God's law, the Ten Commandments, have that same effect. For God's law remind us, reminds us of our lost condition and the eternal peril we would face because of our transgressions. 
And no one likes to hear that message of the law. No one wants to be confronted about some sin that they've committed. Such saltiness is considered to be very unfriendly. We know it's terribly unpopular. But as you and I who are called the salt of the earth by Jesus, bring God's law and apply it to ourselves and apply it to those around us in our lives, in our relationships, we also then have the duty and the joyful privilege of declaring to them God's full forgiveness for those sins and for the salvation that Jesus won. As we do that, just like salt, we make everything around us better and better. The hearing of the word and the importance of God's word in our lives is something that we now share with the saints who are in heaven. Through life, they, kept, they were kept salty in their faith, and through faith they were saved for the eternal life they now enjoy. So Jesus here issues a stark warning to us about ever distancing ourselves from hearing his word, from receiving the sacrament. He asks, if salt has lost its flavor, how will it become salty again? While salt surely has the ability to revive and to refresh food, there's nothing that can restore salt when it has lost its quality of saltiness. So Jesus warns, then it's no good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. His warning to us is clear. If we do not continue to hear his word regularly, and if we finally should reject that word and refuse to hear it and believe it, if we ignore his word in our lives, then we would cut ourselves off from that very thing which makes us the salt of the earth. If we forsake the one who has made us to be salt, then we would forfeit the life he wants us to have with him forever as his saints. As we noted earlier, salt is an element which is so very present with us that it can be easily overlooked and taken for granted. So Christians, too, may, in the course of their lives, be shown the contempt of the world and may be considered insignificant and unnoticed in the grand scheme of things. Someone who invents a flying automobile, someone who has billions of dollars to spend, someone who is a record-setting athlete, they tend to get the attention and the admiration of our world. But a mother or father getting their children up and ready for Sunday school and worship service, or a high school student singing beautiful praises to God as part of a choir, they don't get such acclaim from the world. St. Paul knew this scenario to be true, yet in spite of the ridicule and the disdain that he personally experienced, he could confidently say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That same power of the gospel is what our Lord has made known to us and has entrusted to us as we carry out our calling as the salt of the earth. 
And that's what connects us right now with the saints, the ones in heaven. That's what instills in us the faith that they were given, and it causes us to have a lively confidence that we're going to see them again one day in heaven, and that we will be with them together in an absolutely perfect world, there in the presence of our Savior who loves us more than anyone else could love us and has made us to be the salt of the earth and the saints in heaven. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen.